Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz-Guevara, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. And today, I am sitting with... Producer of The Bay, Maria Esquinka. And editor, Alan Montecilio. Yeah! And we are making a, obviously, really special episode today. Um, You have heard, of course, Maria's name on the show before as our producer, but we actually didn't meet until... Like three months ago, yeah, uh, when you moved <laughs> here. Um, so, Maria, you were working from El Paso mm-hmm. for a little bit, and then you finally were preparing to move to the Bay Area. Like, what was it about the Bay Area that excited you? Well, one coming to work on the show. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> that's the reason I moved. But I think for me, especially growing up. In El Paso, Texas, it's a lot more, like, conservative than here. And so I think, like, the possibility of going to a place that's maybe more open and more free was really, like, exciting for me as well. But I'm also someone that gets excited by change. That, to me, like, in itself is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Maria, can you actually tell us a little bit about your professional background before you became a producer on the Bay? I started reporting as an undergrad in my student newspaper and then kept doing like internships and fellowships and then when I was in Miami I was actually doing my MFA I wasn't doing journalism I interned at the local NPR affiliate called WLRN and then I fell in love with audio and I fell in love with radio because it was completely different And then after that, I was at Radio Bilingue for a while, which is a Spanish public radio station. I was in Fresno, so I was reporting on the um, San Joaquin Valley. And then after that, I did a fellowship with Latino USA. And then that was my like gateway into like podcasting. What was it about the Bay that interested you as a journalist before you came here? Hmm. I think for sure there was like some issues that are specific to the Bay that kind of drew my attention. I think one of them being addiction or, you know, harm reduction, because there's a lot of addiction in my family. And so I think any place that's kind of at the forefront of looking at it differently or treating it differently to me was really interesting. It's also like at the forefront of, I think, climate change, similar to like Miami, where I lived in for a few years. So I think there's just like a lot going on here. I think I had this general impression of the Bay as a place of resistance and organizing, and that to me has always stood out. What was your first impression of the Bay when you first got here? Um, I was like, wow, it's beautiful, because I'm a desert girl. 
<laughs> El Paso is like it's hot. It's very like the yeah the certico like desert landscape, and so one visually it's completely different than than where I come from. So fresh, so beautiful, like the ocean. Um, I've been staying in Berkeley, but I'm about to move and just like even walking like down the street and there's like 30 different types of flowers in one block. I was just like mesmerized. Mm. So today we're going to spend the day doing some fun stuff. Can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit, Marie, about what we're going to do today? We're going to be walking around the Mission neighborhood with Carlos Cabrera Lomeli, who's going to be like our guide. Why the mission? I've been to the mission a few times and I think I really feel connected to that neighborhood. I think it reminds me in many ways a lot of home. And I think when you like move into a new place, you're exploring it, but you're also, I think, searching for little pieces of of home where you can find them. Well, Carlos is waiting for us in the lobby. Okay. We should probably go uh, (laughs) meet up with him now. Let's do it. Let's go. They just let anyone in here today. Well, Carlos. Yeah. Can you introduce yourself for Of us? course. Hey, everybody. I'm Carlos Cabrera Lomeli, a community reporter with KQED, and I'm just so happy to see you all here today. Yeah. And Carlos, you are going to be our Mission District Sherpa today, essentially. Can you tell us just briefly where we're going first? Right on. Yeah. So we're going to walk to 24th Street. The murals throughout 24th Street are really helpful in kind of giving a visual history of the mission in the past 40 years. And just walking through it, it's also like, you really feel the change of the mission in spatially, what buildings are, what stores are, who is being catered to. So it's a visual representation of how the space is transforming. Mm. And also I think it's just a great place to just feel the energy of the whole neighborhood. You know, the music, the smells. So I think it's pretty exciting. So now we are here in Balmy Alley in the Mission. Obviously, Carlos, you you picked this place to show to Maria for a particular reason. And I feel like it's sort of the history and also the culture of the Mission that is really highlighted in these murals. Maria, you grew up in El Paso, Texas. Can you actually just tell us a little bit about what that was like? Growing up in El Paso, well, one, it's like a border city, so it doesn't really feel like you're growing up in the United States. It's you literally like cross a bridge for like five minutes and then you're like in Juarez, Ciudad Juarez. A lot of people use the word fronterizo or fronteriza to like describe themselves because they don't feel fully this or fully that. So it's it's a very fluid space. And I think that fluidity, I mean, it's obviously very different to like in San Francisco, in the mission, but I do think that you have some sense of that fluidity in the space. This mural by Martin Travers and a bunch of other people um, was painted in the early 2000s, but actually pays homage to the wave of refugees, of immigrants that came in the 80s and 90s from Guatemala and the rest of Central America. San Francisco 
throughout that period was a hub for uh, for re refugees fleeing the civil wars in the region. And a lot of folks would come here, you know, not just to find a safe place to live and thrive, but also to organize. Families would like, you know, pool resources to send uh, not just food and, you know, financial assistance to, to you know, these countries, but also like to support the, some of the guerrilla movements that were happening. So when did you first realize that, you know, coming to the Bay from El Paso, that the mission in particular was a place where you could just find things that reminded you of home? I think it literally was like the first time that me and Carlos like walked through the mission. You could hear like reggaeton playing through like all these speakers and then like as we were walking down the street like it literally reminded me of like downtown El Paso. The little tienditas and like Banda Dulce and then you see like all the iconography, all the sights, all the sounds. Um, yeah. And Maria, you're also a poet. Yeah, I think like poetry and writing are the way I process trauma. Like, I feel there's this beautiful connection between like art and resistance. I see that here a lot. When I was doing my MFA in Miami, I was like not in El Paso, but it was like at the height of like, you know, Trump's immigration policy and like El Paso was like the site of that. And it was like such a dislocating moment where literally, you know, children were being separated from their families. So art really allows you to like speak about, yeah, like undressed things and like convey like feelings and emotions in a way that, you know, other formats can. The U.S.-Mexico border replaces itself. Instead of wall, glitter, ocean. Instead of a green uniform, a saguaro undressed becomes a blanket of thorns. Instead of a dry river, a shot of mezcal fire peels tongue and bone bent body. Instead of the American flag, a bag of takis learns to speak Spanish, crinkles its plastic purple mouth. Viva Mexico, cabrones. Instead of a border checkpoint, a bouquet of periquitos flies away. All mad feathers, all azure honey scatter slashing the sky. Instead of another deportation, the slit of my mother's mouth blooms a soft but stern no. Instead of a detention facility, a house full of angels dressed as mariachis. Instead of Texas, the desert sky spills the sun, bleeds mame. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, 
entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Okay, uh, my stomach is growling. Um, Carlos, can you tell us where we're going to eat? Yeah, let's go to uh, Vallarta right next door, y'all. All right, so we are now posted on 24th Street. Um, Maria, as someone who grew up on the border, I imagine the food, the Mexican food in particular, is like bomb. <laughs> it is. It is. And hard to talk. Okay, I will say like the carnitas tacos here, they hit it. I went to get a second one. Yeah, it did it for me. The price, $4 per taco, that's a little different, but <laughs> than El Paso, but. And also, as someone that will always like rep El Paso and Juarez, burritos were created in Ciudad Juarez during the Mexican Revolution, during the Mexican Revolution. And they're a little bit more regular sized over there. <laughs> They're not a fist. It's not a uni. <laughs> Carlos, do you have any, um, do you want a mounted defense of Mexican food in the mission <laughs> now that Maria has laid down the gauntlet? And the defense of the burritos, I think like, um, well, one, you want a burrito that fills you up, right? And you want a burrito that like, it is like, it is an adventure in flavor. And I think that the mission style burrito, because, you know, so many places can claim they have invented the burrito, but only one place can say they've invented the mission style burrito. And that's, of course, the mission. <laughs> the way that it's created, it also represents a lot of the ingredients that not only you just find in California, but that are also in contribution from like other communities, other diasporic communities. So like you see a lot of like like burrito places that are actually owned here by like Salvadorian families, by like families from like Peru, from Colombia because they've grown up here and they're like, wait, we can make this better if we try this. For example, like Senor Sistig, like I love Senor Sistig. It's just <laughs> SF and just the Bay has, has paid homage to the burrito in really cool ways. Can you talk about the role that food played in your relationship to El Paso and home? Ah, like food is just like takes you, takes you to home. If it's like really good, you're like transported a little bit to home, but tacos, burritos, like all that stuff. Yeah, I think it's just being literally like so close to, to Mexico, like you're, you're literally there. But I will say like, it's kind of interesting because even in being in El Paso, sometimes there's certain things that like they don't taste like if you go to like Juarez. And then like sometimes like, like my family will joke about it and they're like, es que le falta la tirrita, like it's missing like the... Okay, Carlos, so we have one last stop on this Mission District tour for Maria. Can you tell us a little bit about where we're headed? Yes, so it's a mural called El Emigrante, and I think it's a really beautiful representation of what it means to be homesick, but at the same time, it's a new home wherever you go. Mi español es pocho puro. Canta como Chavela, no es de aquí ni es de allá. 
vive con el fervor de Juanga cantando en el Palacio de Bellas Artes. Se enamora como Julieta Venegas, susurra, dime si tú quisieras andar conmigo. Mi español es pura chatarra y chingadera, puro hachiros y taquis. Sabe como una mangoneada ahogada en salsa de chamoy y cuesta cuatro pesetas. Le compra cacahuates japoneses a su mamá en la tienda de la esquina. Lame rocaletas, extraña duvalines. Sabe rico como un burro de barbacoa de burritos Tony. Ve telenovelas, su favorita es Rubí. Menea su culo al ritmo de cumbias y reggaetón. Se emborracha con margaritas en el Kentucky Club. Se desliza entre cuerpos sudados en hard pop. Lo que extraña más es a México. Lo que conoce menos es a México. Tiene dos ciudadanías, pero tres identidades. Es una lengua que chinga y chinga. Terca. Cuando se enoja, te manda la verga. Ha sido picada y cortada como pedacitos de cebolla y cilantro. Mi lengua es como mi madre, migrando a través de un país a los 16 años, con 100 pesos en un bolsillo y su esperanza en el otro. Mi español es como mi papá, Escribe poemas en inglés, canta en inglés, pero ama en español. Es un carro cruzando la frontera, regresando al paso después de visitar a Juaritos. Mi español es una niña en una clase bilingüe y su éxito depende en extinguir el español. Rescata las pocas palabras que le quedan, escalando las colinas de mi lengua entre confusión y extinción, rehusándose a morir. This poem refuses to be understood by you. Okay, so we just pulled up to this mural. Carlos, can you tell us why you brought us here? The first time I saw this mural, it was actually during my first weeks in SF. And back then I had really just been in the U.S. for like three years. It wasn't my choice. I actually did not want to come to the U.S. And I, I just would always have these like huge homesickness. But like little by little, I feel like that just like the love I had for that my old home became this love for this new home. And I, you know, I just really think that love is a type of energy that like can like bend space and time. And this mural, you see this person literally leaving their country of origin, coming to the U.S. His path is kind of like it's warped and it's warped around kind of like this like solitude, the sadness that he feels. But by because of the warping, his old home and his new home come together. For those who have experienced some sort of like migration or journey, we, we go through that. And I always feel kind of that company when I see that, that understanding. And I wanted to bring you all here because I mean, especially Maria, like, you know, I know that you're still you know you're you're getting adjusted to this new place you're you know you're still thinking about el paso a lot i mean you know you share this you're navigating a lot of emotions and i think that this is hopefully you know something that can represent that transformation that transition for you yeah that's really beautiful yeah i'm like really moved by the the mural and like the colors like the blues and the reds and the oranges like they're so vibrant and it's been here for years. Carlos said like, it's, yeah, it's interesting how like the two homes are one circular image. And I was just like thinking a lot like how the idea of home for like people that come from immigrant families is, there's always like the sense sometimes of like displacement. And like, I think I've struggled with the, 
idea of home a lot as like a fixed place. For me, home is like a, a state of, of being or it can be like this evolving thing. Well, Maria, now that you have been here for about three months, you've been settling in, uh, you have been exploring more neighborhoods that remind you of home, but also that are very different from home. What are you looking forward to the most about being here in the Bay? I have so much love for El Paso and La Frontera. Because it's home, but it's also a place that's full of so much like beauty, resilience, and it's like a magical place. But there's a lot of, you know, traditional family values. Sometimes I felt very out of place. And I think as I'm like exploring my queerness more and my bisexuality more, I'm excited to be like in a place where it's more queer, it's more open, like it lends itself, you know, for like, like discovering and exploring more. Well, Carlos, thank you so much for showing us around your hood. Of course. Maria, officially, welcome to the Bay. <laughs> thank you. I'm excited to be here. I've been so excited for this episode to drop so that you could meet the person behind the scenes of this show. As a former producer, I'll be the first to tell you that even if you don't hear the producer on the mic, you hear them in other ways, whether that be in a question or in a music choice or even in a story idea. So shout out to producers. And I want to officially welcome our new producer, Maria Esquinka, to the team, to KQED and to the Bay Area. You can find Maria on Twitter at M underscore Esquinka. That's E-S-Q-U-I-N-C-A. Also, you can find more of Maria's amazing original poetry, which you heard in this episode, by checking out the links to her website in our show notes. Alan Montecilio produced our field recordings of this episode. I cut it down and edited the tape. Maria Esquinka scored it. The Bay is a production of KQED Public Media in San Francisco. Alan Montecilio is our editor. Maria Esquinka is, of course, our producer. Gerald Furman is our podcast engagement producer. Kiana Mogadam is our senior producer of podcasts. Jen Chien is our director of podcasts. And KQED's chief content officer is Holly Kernan. And I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you all next week. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California, the land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. 
visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.